Hello, my knowledge thirsty beauties, and welcome to another episode of DP to the Brain. Another feast for your frontal cortex awaits. We have our first professional athlete on the podcast, Mr. Matthew McNamara. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, so do you want to start, kind of give us your, um, your journey, if you will? Yeah, definitely. So in high school, I come from a smaller town and there's not a lot of uh, competitive club environments. So I decided that in order to kind of reach the level that I wanted to try to reach, I would start making the trip to Columbus and play um, club ball in the spring and, and winter. I guess we should probably specify we're talking soccer. Yeah, yeah, soccer. Yes, yeah. yeah, sorry, soccer. Uh, as the listeners know, I played soccer. Matthew and I played a couple of years together, but that's what Matthew is a professional athlete in soccer. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so uh, I started, I tried out with like the crew juniors, um, a couple of teams not in Columbus, out in like Fort Wayne area. And eventually I did end up playing with the, the crew juniors for a season. And then mm-hmm. right out with the Club Ohio team. I had a couple of friends that I've met through camps that I've gone to and then eventually decided I'd play with Club Ohio in Dublin. Which is where and I grew up. So that's where we met. We played two, what, we two years together, right? Sophomore yeah, two junior. years. Yep. So played there for to finish out my high school career in club. And from there, I went to a camp, actually, with Corey Mankins, our goalkeeper from the club team. Good man, good man. So he actually took me to a college tryout that a team was recruiting him, and I didn't really have much recruitment, so he asked the coach if it'd be all right if I went with him, tried out, played the weekend, and things went well. They offered both of us a, a scholarship. And then I eventually did start to get a couple offers, whatever. Mm-hmm. And one was in Chicago and now university, but before this last year, a college. Yeah. So Elmhurst College. They brought us out. We did a tryout for the weekend and we both decided, all right, well, it was a fun weekend, a good environment. We'd also like to go there for studies. So we decided that we would both go to Elmhurst College. Okay. And my freshman year, I went in, I was prepared, I felt ready. Um, I was actually told that summer that I would be making the transition from attacking mid to center back. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, um, I was I was shifted from um, I always played outside back as you might remember, but I was shifted into a, a winger. I became a winger. Yeah. So and yeah, that kind of happens. Yeah, ever changing positions. Yeah. But, I mean, the biggest thing for that is it's more mental than physical. I mean, everyone can play pretty much every position physically, but just being able to kind of transition into the positions and know your role mm-hmm. it's tough going into a college environment but first couple first couple games went by I wasn't getting much playing time 
And then I actually dislocated my kneecap in training. So I was injured, missed out on the, the rest of the season. And I think that was probably the best thing for me because going into college, I probably weighed at most 165 pounds. Okay. And because I was injured, all I did was work out. And because it was a leg injury, there was no cardio involved. So from probably September to March, all I did was work out in the gym and I put on probably 30 pounds and ended up weighing like 195 by the end of the spring of my freshman year. And you got top heavy. I think I I did the same thing. I got top heavy too. Very top heavy. Yep. Same. But I mean, with that weight, I mean, it kind of helped obviously when I could run and kind of get cardio going again, I could burn off a lot of the, the excess weight and it kind of gave me a good framework of, of a body type that a center back would have rather than a, a strawny freshman attacking mid. Oh yeah. So that was good. And then kind of that next season, I got the opportunity to become a starter unfortunately due to an injury of our captain center back. Yeah. And I mean, kind of with that, I hit the, hit the ground running. I was playing well with the other center back. We were winning games, learning a lot as I was going, but kind of from there, I just kind of solidified a, a starting position. Junior year starter. And played every match until the the week before our playoff start and I actually got a broken nose from our goalkeeper oh so that kind of put me out for the season after that I had to get surgery and and that was the end of junior year correct correct my second year of playing I guess yeah and then after that, I was named captain with along with two other players. My th- senior year, third year playing, we had a decent season. Um, again, kind of learning as I go and trying to take everything that I've gone through as far as injuries, kind of mm-hmm. overcoming adversities, all this, and pass that along to the younger players that are in our team. And again, played well, had a couple injuries here and there, missed a game or two, and then decided that I would come back for my fifth year and play that season. And then I was going to... You were given a red shirt? Yeah, yeah. Given a red shirt. For for people who might not know what that means, um, you can sometimes in college athletics be given... Uh, like a season back, basically, if it's lost to like uh, an injury or something like that. So I'm, anyway, continue. And yeah, so I took that opportunity to play my fifth season. And it was not a great season for the for the school. I think we actually had one of the worst seasons in history. Uh, but it is what it is, I guess. And then yeah. I took the opportunity after that to travel abroad for a month with the school to finish off my college career. 
And so we went to Prague, Amsterdam, Rome, Berlin, and the border of Poland. And you were kind of using this as an opportunity to kind of put some feelers out there and see if there might be any interest in some of these places. Right. Yeah. Well, that and just kind of seeing how I how I like being abroad. Yeah, like culture kind of, oh, has to be a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's why you don't see very many English players leave the EPL. It's culturally difficult for them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so, I mean, I did really like everywhere we went for different reasons, whether it be, like you said, the culture, just like the environment being around, like you're in Rome, tourists everywhere. Ooh, a lot in of Rome, people. huh? Yeah, exactly. But I personally didn't like the tourist area. Like I'd prefer kind of the authentic. Yeah the authentic environment you're not seeing just people running over other people to get a good picture of uh, the of subtle policy the subtle stuff that you have to be there a while to appreciate yeah yeah but yeah so i took that month and then i came back i was training i actually had another injury to my knee so i did that while i was playing indoor soccer yeah. and after that injury I guess I was just kind of training getting back to health and I came across a combine that was in Indianapolis and it was with uh, the Footbico agency okay but with that combine it's basically you go you play with a bunch of other people that obviously sign up and you're competing against those players to kind of try to get noticed or it's like a showcase exactly showcase how how you play and if they think you're good enough they'll give you a call and in my case they took myself and 29 other players to Poland where in Poland it was I don't know. It was a small village area, okay. but it was in the area near Wadzislaw. Hmm. Okay. So that was the, the host team. That's where they were from. And they were in the third division. Okay. So basically what that was, we all went. They covered the hotel. They covered the food, the training, the... Pretty much anything anything that was a part of that they covered yeah. it and so we played against a youth team from the first division of the czech republic we played against a fourth division team we played against a third division team and what would be considered semi-pro here in america for our fourth team now against the professional teams were these considered uh, friendlies then for them. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Yep. And obviously the goal was to play as well as possible. And if you're lucky enough that someone, the games were all in front of scouts. So if a scout were to like you, then they would offer a contract and would either accept or decline. So basically it's a, it's like a traveling team of young free agents look, you know, and playing in 
different game. Am I right. setting it up? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting that right. And we were there for a week. So, I mean, it's just kind of mm-hmm. a traveling team with no chemistry. That first couple of weeks where you don't really oh, yeah, know anyone. I, but... yeah, I know how that is. I mean, that's kind of how all like tryouts and combines, anything like that. It's very much who can adapt quickly. But anyway, continue. Yep. So we played... And obviously with 30 players, you kind of need to split up the times. And it was, if I play the first half of one game, I sit out and play the the second half of the next game. And yeah, yeah. The first couple matches, just so they can kind of get to see who they like, who they don't really like, who who's played well, who hasn't. Mm-hmm. And so the first game we played the the youth team from Czech Republic, and I being 6'1", I was probably around 185 then, was the biggest player there by far. Really? And, well, these guys, they're 15, 16 years old that we were playing. Oh, okay, okay. So they were, yeah, yeah. So walking up, they were kind of like, we don't want to play this guy. But yeah. Um, I played the second half of that game, played well. That's kind of where scouts were watching that game, obviously. They started asking, like, my height, my weight, my club histories. And you think so that that's was where I saw that moment, that game? Was yeah, that's where I saw they were interested. And, I mean, that definitely gives you confidence to play. And Absolutely. Confidence is king in football. Oh, yeah. From this, from this did you end up getting picked up from a team? So we played the three more matches and there was myself, a player from Africa who lived in Liberia. Okay. And another player who was from Miami. And they asked us three to stay. They offered us contracts to play with the third division team. The the host team? Yeah, correct. And with that, the... The rest of the guys were all set to fly out and they just told us, all right, you're going to stay in the hotel. They want to sign you. You'll probably see them. Everyone left on the Sunday. They told us we'd probably see them on Tuesday. So just hang out in the hotel hmm. and they'll pick you up, whatever. No problem. Everything's taken care of. And so Tuesday came and we didn't see anyone. Oh, yeah. It got very interesting very quickly. So we were kind of just waiting out in the hotel. I think Thursday they told us that we were going to get picked up by someone and we were going to go play a match with them. And so we waited outside for three hours and no one came to pick us up. Oh, my. And then um, again, kind of just. So while we were at that hotel, they were covering breakfast, lunch, dinner. They were doing our laundry, everything. Hmm. Now, like who, who at the club were you communicating with? So it was, it was the president of the club. Oh, oh, it was one of those. Okay, one of those deals. Yeah. So um, that next week, we kept showing up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we could tell very easily, even though they didn't speak English, that they were 
annoyed with our presence. They didn't really know what was going on. And then we started getting into like a translation argument over the phone. So we would pass the phone back and forth. And they were basically saying like, who's paying for this? Um, like, who told you to stay here? And we're trying to translate all this through Google Translate. Into Polish. Yeah. Not an easy language to uh, to navigate. Oh, no, no, not at all. So um, we ended up getting basically told that they'll cover our lunch and dinner, no breakfast, and on the weekends, no food. So we have to figure it out. So they told us that on a Friday. And we didn't know that the, the village we were in the stores closed on the weekend. Oh, goodness. So we went to the gas station across the street that, that night as they were closing and we were able to get like two loaves of bread and fruit and honey. So that's what we lived off for that weekend. Just the three of you living in, in this hotel in Poland. No idea what's going on for the yeah. moment. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Wow, wow, We definitely got close that weekend, yeah. For sure, for sure. Now, were you guys, like, still training together, I assume, and, or something like that? Uh, well, we didn't have a ball or anything because oh. they left. So we were just kind of running around the hotel and the roads and yeah. doing pull-ups on the, the swings, yeah. Yeah. But So we were there for probably another five or six days. And the one kid, we did eventually get picked up. We went to a couple matches, did friendlies, started training with different teams. So not the team that we were supposed to sign with. So the first team we were playing with, they said they could only sign one of the three of us. Hmm. And so they did offer me the contract. But again, I, from everything they were going through and the team, it was basically semi-pro. So I would have been making maybe a hundred dollars. Well, I bet they would be able to pay you more if they didn't spend all this money on hotels for people that they don't pick up. Oh yeah, it's, it was crazy. It was crazy. It's a lot of money that they spent on you guys for anyway. But so the the second team we started training with, they again, they offered us contracts, but they said that they could not pay us. So that they would give us jobs to work. So we would basically be working there in a country that we don't speak any anything close to their language. So basically it was a, a job and I'll let you play football for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. They so again, that was that, over there. another uh, easy turndown, I would say. Okay. So we were there and just. We finally met with the president again, and again, all of this there, the time that we're there that we spend playing and we're training with the teams, they're all saying, "Oh, you're very good players. Like you should be playing first division. You should be playing second division at least." Mm -hmm. What's going on? Like this is crazy. Hmm. We, we don't know. We, we know about as much as you, but so we finally were able to meet with the president. They put us up in an apartment. So it was 
seven of the Polish players that played for the third division team. And then myself and the player from Liberia. The kid from Miami decided that he was done. He just left. Yeah. He just called a taxi, flew or went to the airport and flew home. Did you were there points where you considered doing that? Oh yeah, for sure. Like there did you like did you talk when he went, were, did he say come with me, man? Or something like that? I don't know. I mean, it was kind of just like I'm tired of this, like I'm leaving, whatever. And me and the other kid were just the whole whatever. I don't, I don't even know what word to use to describe that the whole rigmarole that you've been put through is like it's not yeah yeah but anyway uh, we've been sticking it out but continue yeah yeah i mean we've been it when we've been here we're trying to get a contract i mean the the player from liberia lived in turkey so he's from liberia lives in turkey and from what he says he has a lot of different contacts and connects in the in the europe game mm-hmm. so we're kind of just talking and talking like Oh well, if we stay here long enough, maybe we can play, and then we can get transferred somewhere here, or one of your contacts can get us a tryout or something. Yeah. So we stay. We get moved into the apartment, and so there was two players in one room, three players in another room. They put us in an unfinished kitchen that they were demolishing. Like when we arrived, they were building our, if you want to call it, IKEA beds. So like we couldn't even come into the room when we got there because they were building the beds for us. Like a really cheap soccer camp. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. We we're sharing like. Some interesting bonding with fruit. the lads, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, how were the how was the bonding with the Polish guys? Were they like open and receptive to you and the guy from Liberia or not so much? Um, to be honest, I don't know. We didn't We didn't talk to them much. Oh, okay. I think at first we were kind of sticking to ourselves, like just the situation we went through. No, that's totally kind of like, yeah, more of frustration and like part frustration, part almost feeling like this is the only dude like, that I know like, will stick to his word. I don't know yeah, about all these yeah. other people in this strange country, but me and this dude have been exactly. through it, and I know I can depend on him at least to show some bread and honey with me. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. So with that, I mean, it was just we went another probably week of training with a team that basically said we can sign both of you, but only one of you will get a professional contract. The other would be considered amateur. We'd pay you the same, but again, it was they'd pay us maybe a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars max. Yeah. And it's just again, we're not playing necessarily for the money, but through yeah. everything that we've been through and what we were promised, like when we were told we'd sign, they said that they would give us a car, they would give us an apartment, they would cover all of our food, and it would be like a five or six hundred euro a month salary. So after being told that, yeah, you know, we're getting offered a hundred dollars basically half of a pro cop job on top yeah exactly so it was just yeah we turned that down yeah i think that kind of a lot of people get i've heard a lot of horror stories especially like young kids from you know like you said liberia but you learn young kids from africa this or that just literally just being stranded in a foreign land without you know at least 
you know, you, you were kind of a little bit older, more mature and had that option of like, you know, you, you could go and get a flight home if you wanted. Yeah. 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 These kids are like 14 year olds lost. It's, it's really um, a shame, but anyway. No, it's funny you say that because the, the same club that we were basically trying out with, they apparently brought in like 15 Colombians the year before, basically took their money, said, we'll give you a tryout. They, some of them trained with the team once or twice and they got cut. The rest of them never even got to see the team. And they just said, all right, well, you've been here too long. You have to leave. It's a, it's a really prevalent scam. I mean, especially like we say in Africa and South America and well, I mean, even just, well, I mean, I can't generalize, but you know, specifically in places where soccer is seen as one of the few ways of escape. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking because it's so like, but anyway, um, mm -hmm. so you, you still in, how long have you been in Poland at this point? So at that point, it was probably around three and a half to four weeks. And so at that point, me and the player from Liberia, we were talking and we decided that we were going to work with an agent that he knew who could either get us into somewhere in Asia or somewhere in Europe. All right. But we'd have to not go home. At all. No, no. Not at all. And so we kind of, we decided, all right, we're going to leave. We met with the president one final time because I don't know if he found out that we were planning on leaving or, but he just called a meeting and basically tried to win us over and say like, no, you're going to start training with the team this week. We don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. We, we already have a plan. We're going to have you guys play for six months and then we're going to get you signed to a first division team. We already know. We already have it set up yeah, at that point. We're like, we just... <laughs> you're crazy. You're crazy. If you think we're going to stay for six months and play for this club. Yeah. So, but, so, so we eventually agent. Yeah, so we left Poland and we were planning on going. We talked with an agent and he was going to get us into the Albanian first division, but the second tier. So the second tier of their professional system. Okay, that's, that's interesting. They have tiers and divisions. Yeah, it's so the their first tier is called the superior. Mm hmm and their second tier is called the first division. So it's confusing like world over there. Called the championship. Yeah, yeah. It's anyway. But, um. So Albania. Yeah. So with that, the the build up to that was kind of interesting. So as we were talking with the agent, he was giving us kind of the rundown on how it would play out. How if we play well, we'll get into the first division easily and we'll be making probably 30, 40,000 minimum. Mm -hmm. But we just have to we just have to prove it. And so through that I ended up getting there around probably the first week of January. Uh, and of which year? 
of that's a good question because if if we're talking 2020 because i want to ask about you know january 2020 some things were about to happen january 2020 was the yeah it was okay so it was about three months before everything well honestly two months before everything okay so we're about two months before the world blowing up and you are in um I was about to say Albania. I was about to say Aruba for some reason. That <laughs> you wish you were in Aruba, Albania. Yeah. All right, you're in Albania two months before the world ends. Good old Albania. All right. So, did you end up getting uh, picking up a contract offer there? So yeah, and when we actually signed the contract before we got there, so oh, it was all okay. taken care of. They didn't see us play. It was. Did that make you slightly suspicious at all? Oh, we just okay. Anyway, so. but again, like like I said, we were very desperate to kind of get a contract, get our foot in the door. And well, I mean, signed contract is at least something legally binding. So, yeah, I mean, well, you would think. Well, more legally binding, but anyway, can continue, please. So we got to Albania. Well, I got to Albania, and they put me in a hotel brothel somewhere in between where it was basically you walk in there's a bed there's a closet and there's a bathroom and a and... woman no no i wish you gotta call room service yeah don't think they had room service there either but it was like a maybe eight by eight room it was just yeah there was nothing to the room but so i'm gonna stay there and i reach out to the, the player from Liberia and say, hey, when are you getting here? Like, everything good? And I guess he was stopped in customs on his way over. Hmm. And they stopped him in Greece, I believe, which is right next to Albania. Hmm. And for whatever reason, they were saying they wouldn't let him in. So he was actually detained for, I think, four days in their airport security. Yeah, so, I mean, again, I don't want to sound, don't have a good word for it, but, like, I know he's probably worried, so I can only imagine that, but I'm yeah. sitting in there thinking, like, I'm in this place by myself now, the only person that I know in this country he got stopped in security airport airport security. Like, was there any justification given at all? Or? Not that he gave me. Okay. Again, I, mean, I didn't really want to pry about that. I but. um, I mean, I'd rather not say, but I have my own inclinations on reasons why, especially given the yeah. um, regions of Europe we're talking about. No, definitely. And That's kind of. From, but I don't, I don't want to go there and make accusations without basis on that. Yeah, right. No, I mean, in Poland, it was kind of we we experienced some of that. I would. That's what I was wondering as well. With the with the, did you experience it like from teammates or just from people in? So with the teammates, I mean, there was a lot of just them speaking Polish, laughing, and they're looking at us. So I mean, it's. I'm not saying they were talking about us, but I'd be. I work with them. Um... I worked with high school students from Korea and China and such. So I know all you and you're just like, I don't like whatever you just said, but I don't know what you said, but I don't like it. I know exactly what that feels like. 
No. But then but, there would be like people driving by, we're walking to the store or something, and they would just look out the window and start yelling stuff, mm. assumably at him. Like I looked pretty average in that area, but <laughs> no, I yeah, that's that's one thing I was wondering about, and that is unfortunately unsurprising. But yeah, no, it's it's terrible. And that's I, that's why I say I wonder if it had something to do with that detonation. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, now now you are alone in Albania. You you friend is Albania. Stuck in where did I say? No, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll just repeat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, I did it again. Anyway, okay. So now you, um, but you have the contract signed, and you you are you training and playing with the team? So yeah, the the team, there the team is actually from a village, probably forty five minutes from where I was staying, but they oh. trained probably twenty minutes in between those two destinations. That's not terrible. So I was in the capital, Tirana, and they play in Serik. So Serik is a very small village, very poor area. They were training in a like a sports complex near the near the capital. So they would come, they would pick myself and probably six or seven other players that lived in the capital. And they would take us to training. They would drop us back off. And that was it. So that's mainly how they were housing their foreign players is in hotels. Well, well, not necessarily. I don't know. They were they were housing players in hotels. I guess the only the only players that they were technically housing, I guess, was myself and two players from Brazil. So the rest of the guys, they're all from Albania. They live with their families. They yeah, either... that's why I said the foreign. But yeah, um, yeah, that makes sense. But so, I mean, we go, we go to training, come back. And I'm by myself, so for the first couple of days, I would walk around the capital, kind of just mm-hmm. get familiar with the area. And then about a week into that, they told me, okay, we're going to take you. You're going to live in the village. Like the village where the games are played? Where the games are played, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, short so, Okay, and like it, whatever works is... As long as I have a place to stay, I don't have any complaints. They're covering my food, whatever. Yeah. And so we were playing matches. I was getting minutes. And the two other Brazilian players, they put those two and myself in an apartment with a man that worked with the club. Okay. So he did groundskeeping. He. Yeah, okay. Basically like a, a manager, a club manager. So we were living in his apartment in that village. And about a month goes by, we start asking, okay, when do we get paid? Uh, yeah, yeah, soon, soon, soon. Okay, well, whatever, it's fine. And we're playing, it's not a big deal. Our sal- It's not like our salary is 50000 or something. It's mm-hmm. just enough to kind of cover costs. Sure, but it's it's... It's not about the money. It's about the price. Right, right. I mean, again, it's the first contract. Again, just a step in the a step in the door. So, probably two more weeks go by. We're asking, okay, we haven't been paid. 
like we're paying we're paying our own money we're, we're eating from the market you're not giving us food you're giving us nothing basically so then it becomes a well, you have to you have to make a bank account here, and then we'll be able to direct deposit and everything. Everything will be good. Mm. So they take us to the bank. Basically, long story short, bank says no good, can't open an account. Mm. So again, they don't speak English where we're at, so it's we're kind of going on the word of whoever was translating. Yeah, the club didn't have didn't like provide any translation or anything like that. Well, they they sent a former player that lived in the area, because again, everyone else lived in the capital. So where yeah. we were at, once, once they moved you out to the village. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of on our own. Yeah, but so now was this um, not to stop you too much? Was this an issue with the um, the non-player you were living with? Was he all, was he getting paid? So he was, he was, um, I hate to speculate on his age, but he was probably 55, 60 years old. That's, that's what I was picturing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm assuming and, he's been at the club for a few years. Yeah. But he was not being paid. So it was the same situation for him. Was he supposed to be getting paid? Yeah. He was supposed to be getting paid. And again, he was a great guy. Like he was, he was trying to help us out. He was, so this was an across the board, not just not not just like specifically like young play. They weren't taking advantage of young players. They were taking advantage of everyone. Everyone, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if that's better or worse. You know, equally discriminating against everyone. But anyway, yeah. anyway, continue. Pick your poison. Yeah. yeah, you. So after about two three weeks not getting paid, you're starting to starting to raise a few questions. So I'm talking with the agent that. That got us over there and i'm like they're not paying us what's up and then after a couple of days of oh we'll figure it out don't worry it kind of turned into don't use my name there use this other guy that was working with him use his name i'm not supposed to be um managing you as a player it's supposed to be this guy this is coming from the club this is coming from the agent that took us over there. Oh, okay. So the so the agent was basically like, "I right, new phone, who dis?" Yeah, exactly. That's and so he was with the scams. It's all also agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you think it's like the craziest thing, and it only happens to you. But then just talking no, with I the think, guys, that I, I could see that, how easy it would. I mean, it, it's very, it's unfortunately very easy for them to do, and I'm sure yeah, you yeah. know. The same way that that um, combine team funnel, combine. I'm gonna roll that back. Sorry. Three, two, one. The way that uh, when you went over with the combine team or agent free agent team, if you will, they kind of funnel you to to them. I'm sure there's kind of partnership there. So, you know, there's kind of some kind. Of, you know, there's 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 a mutual uh, beneficiary system here to screw over young players for lack of oh yeah absolutely and it's it's really gross especially for someone or people like us who who we like you know it's not just work it's the beautiful game yeah exactly makes it just that touch more disgusting yeah i mean it's every every kid they grow up they want to play professional and you're selling that dream you're saying oh yeah give give us this amount of money we'll we'll make you pro 
and then yeah you're sitting there without a contract or whatever and just kind of with a contract that's about is worth what you're wiping your butt with so yeah. okay so you're now in about three weeks in you realize your agent is not helping you at all what 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 do you do so then i actually reached back out to the agent who the agency that took us over to poland okay so i was kind of talking to him one using him as advice also asking like hey i'm here do you have anything for me anywhere in europe in the u.s and basically somewhere reputable yeah yeah so he was talking to me he was saying look right now you have a contract i know they haven't honored it but you i mean don't do something that's going to hurt your reputation if it comes out that you're in Albania with the signed contract and you somehow you just left. That's such a, that's such a tough position to be in. Yeah. You we're like, it's almost like they're both the right thing to do and meaning they're, and it makes them both the wrong thing to do. Right. Exactly. That's so tough. So we decided, all right, we'll stay. We'll finish out the season and then March hit. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So then March. And um, before we hit there real quick, were you getting like uh, minutes and such for this album? Yeah, so, so we had a manager when I first got there. He was the only manager and he seemed to like me. I was playing well. I was starting getting 90 minutes, a couple matches I subbed off, a couple mm-hmm. matches I would start on the bench and sub in. And then a new manager came in and Again, you hate to be a player where it's this guy didn't like me just because I'm me or he just had favorites, but something changed. His perspective was different on what he wanted from his center backs. And for some reason, he decided that you were not the right fit for what he wanted to do for whatever reason. Right. And so. And that's how it is in soccer. And that's, you know, which I'm guessing you, you did what usually is the right move and you moved on to find a team yeah, yeah. that fit in. And, then, and you know, that's what, that's kind of what you, uh, kind of what you kind of have to do. If you don't really, if you don't fit in a team for either, you know, quality reasons, you're either too good or not good enough, or, you know, whatever, you just don't fit, right? Sometimes it's best for both parties to, I mean, obviously all the other stuff aside, assuming you're getting paid and all that stuff, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. a move on is just the best move for you. So w- where did you go from there? So it was, Oh, yeah. Sorry. So we just hit uh, March. We hit March. March. And COVID came. Yes. Yes, it did. COVID came along and shook up everything. And so we're just kind of learning about it. Don't really know anything about it. We just know not good. Hearing about it, something about it bad. I don't don't really know. I'm busy. Yeah. And so... We, we find out first that someone across our apartment was diagnosed with COVID. They were positive. Oh, my. We thought that was like, all right, we need to stay somewhere else or something. Like, that's not good. Again. This was still in the village? Yeah, in the village. Oh, wow. While we're in the village, they, Albania went to a 23-hour lockdown. So we were stuck in 
a very, very small apartment for 23 hours a day. And we were able to go outside for an hour and walk around. With someone who is positive. I don't, I don't see how that stops. We have no idea. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how that would stop the transmission of COVID. I feel like that accelerates it but anyway that's a whole nother discussion i was gonna say there's a lot of a lot of questions we're not going down that rabbit hole so please continue okay so now you on 23 hour lockdown in albania i'm i'm assuming that games and practices and all that stuff is everything's been halted we actually the three of us and two other players that lived in the village it was just us five that lived there we went to the to the stadium the manager guy he let us in and we were just kind of trying to get some fitness, run around, knock the ball around. And while we were out there, apparently people called the police or the government there or something and basically said, no, not allowed. And they locked the stadium, shut everything down. Oh, geez. So we had no outlet to do anything. So at that point, probably four or five days into that, we find out that they're like cutting out all transportation out of Albania. No. So that was, all right, we got to go. Get out before you stuck. Yeah. And this was, so, uh, what, what was this, uh, late March? Or early? Mid-March, probably the 14th of March. Okay. And they're like, what, how, how much warning did they give you? As far how, as. Like how much warning did you have in terms of we have, X amount of days to get out of the country or else we're stuck. <laughs> the warning was looking at plane tickets and seeing that there was available, 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 none available for the immediate future. Oh Lord. So it wasn't like a news, a news conference that they had or anything. It was just no, okay. So like I guess I was asking, like, when did you realize? So we were probably five days into like the lockdown mm-hmm. where we were obviously talking like we need to go. Yeah. So because we, we were, were anticipating the, the right. travel. So we started doing research and just kind of, I mean, a lot of time on our phones. Yeah. So just. And then you were like, Hey, there's no more tickets after this date. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how it went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was two days before we bought the ticket. Okay. So if we waited two days longer, would have spent some more quality time in Albania. How was, um, I don't know, outside of like, I guess outside of like the playing and stuff, how was living in the village and stuff? Did you enjoy, I don't know. No. no not it was particularly? Enjoy, absolutely not. <laughs> there was, there was nothing. Like, I don't know, compared to Poland. So Poland is definitely a lot better off financially than Albania. Albania is a very poor country. Okay, the yeah. village we were in was very, very poor. So not a lot going on. So, yeah, I mean, it was just. Yeah, I don't, no, just, I can imagine. I, I think I can imagine. It's just like there's, there's not much. Yeah, I mean, again, we weren't eating great. We were eating what this guy could provide for us because we weren't getting paid anything. Yeah. I mean, he was cooking well, us like, like soup and bread. The supply that would be a, getting yeah. like, 
Yeah, that's a whole mess. Okay, so you were able, where did you, you flew back to where, United States? Flew back to the U.S. and to Miami. Okay. I don't suppose you linked up with that player from before? No, no. Okay. I actually, I just saw him, I saw him for the first time um, a couple weeks ago at just like a a pickup. Oh, that's funny. walking around, I was like, that's where I recognize this guy. That's funny. Oh, it's him. Yeah. Okay. So. so you've gotten to we're now in April 2020 and you're now in Miami. Um and you has you is your contract now officially over or what's what's yeah. the status of you? So they, they released you from your contract because of COVID and all that stuff, or what? How did how like how did you get out of it? I basically I called not the president, but another like the vice president of the club and basically explained uh, my situation. Wow like look they're not going to let me leave if i don't leave now and again the season is postponed i don't know when it's going to start back up can you just kind of they agreed to terminate your contract exactly yeah okay just cancel my Fair contract enough. well half second there when you said i called the president i was like matthew you are getting out of albania i'm sending yeah. you a voice one <laughs> anyway um so you were now, in, and you've been in Miami since then, or now you, I believe you've gone south of Miami since then? Yeah, so I was supposed to actually have trials with New England Revolution 2 and the USL 1. Mm-hmm. I talked with the with the coach and the, the agent that I was working with from that got us in Poland. Again, I was talking with him, and he was trying to set something up for me. And I guess... COVID was still very bad here. Yeah. And so he basically said, when COVID clears up, we'll bring you down, have you try out. So around two months later, I was still talking with the guy, the agent, and he said he has something for me in the Dominican Republic. Hmm. It's first division. They pay. Right now they're suffering because of COVID, so... A lot of their top players are either leaving because their salary has been like cut by a percentage or they had to leave because of visa issues. Sure. But, well, you know, moving on to better fits for them or whatnot. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was just with the COVID, a lot of crazy situations. Sure. Yeah. But so he said, we can get you in there. I can't promise that you'll play, but it's an opportunity. Yeah. He got me the contract. We signed the contract, another contract. They didn't see me play before. So it was all kind of a leap of faith on their end. Well, but, I think you've seen that it's a leap of faith on your end as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so everybody's in the air at this point. Yeah. I mean, as a player, it's kind of, it's definitely not a fair thing, but. I mean, nothing well, especially really... after the two experiences you had. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, so you, you signed the contract with the team in the Dominican Republic. Did they, and this was what, in April? May? Was, we signed the contract in June. June, okay. So, again, all that time before, I'm just training by myself. Yeah. Work a little, just trying to kind of get you by know, until I get an opportunity because of you know all the shutdowns and stuff you couldn't even go to like you know there wasn't a pickup game well i'm sure there was but it wasn't supposed to be yeah no in florida it was 
Yeah, but very relaxed. Outdoor activity. Well, I mean, I'd say I'd rather you be on a pitch with five people than stuck up in an apartment for 23 hours with five people. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Okay, so you know, you did what you could, but and then you got the contract. Now, did they want you to move down there right away or did or did you stay in Miami? So I, I signed the contract and I was supposed to leave basically a week or two after. Okay. And that was pushed back, pushed back, pushed back until I think I left the 28th of August. Now, were these pushbacks from because of the club or because um, of COVID restrictions? COVID. Yeah, oh, COVID. Okay. So for, as for, you know, compared to the Polish and Albanian club, this club is a lot more on the up and up, for lack of better wording. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as a league, it's a very young league. Like in the Dominican Republic, football still isn't as prevalent as Baseball's it could be. Down there, isn't it? Baseball is very good down there. That's their sport. They're really into baseball. Now, when does that when does that season usually run? Do they follow the European schedule or the MLS schedule? Um, it's more of like the European schedule. You're gonna have the season basically from January to May, June. Oh, a oh, month yeah, off. yeah, in January, yeah, for sure. They have to wait until like March. Okay, so that's cool. So you a little bit different, a little bit in between. That's yep. because of the climate you're in, you, you're able to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the climate is. So then, okay, so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of thinking. So they run in January. So I'm assuming their league halted in March as well. Um, and when did, when did they start back up again? Now, you signed the contract in August. Were they training or playing at this point? Well, so, so okay. I arrived so in August. In, you signed in June, but you arrived in August. Right. So, and they were just starting their preseason. But the preseason was only like a two or three week thing. Well, it's kind of like a re preseason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, with, with what happened in the season that I went there for, is they turned it into like a mini tournament. Okay. So, so like, unless it's back, kind of. Right. Yeah, yeah. There was two groups. You play each team twice, and then there's playoffs. So the top, I believe it was the top four from both groups do a playoff. Okay. And then, so that went from, the entire tournament went from the beginning of September until early November, I think the 10th of November. Now, how many teams are in the league? So I think for the for the league, like right now they're playing. There is, I believe, 17 teams, 16 or 17 for the tournament. It's like groups of eight. So like the top half get to the playoffs. I'm just trying to think for the tournament. They had three teams that weren't eligible to play in what way. So whether they met financial requirements for the tournament or oh okay again it was yeah a very hectic situation um just kind of a side question but maybe not have you have you ran into like our performance enhancing drugs used in i mean you don't hear a ton about that that's you know a lot more in other sports because soccer is so mental but have have you seen like is that a thing anywhere that you've seen 
using performance enhancing drugs? Uh, I haven't seen it. I'm sure. Again, where I'm where I'm playing, not very wealthy. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a factor in it or. Well, it's not it's not particularly prevalent in soccer in general, but right, I, yeah. I was just curious. No, yeah, not from my experience. I haven't seen yeah. that involved. I've seen a lot of different things that enhance, I guess, the corruption side of, of the game. Oh, well, but, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, of course you have. Um, so, um, but anyway, so I, I want to finish out the story a little bit here before we get too off topic. So we're in, let's say, September 1st. You're, you're playing, um, so you guys are playing. Did you guys make the, like, were you high enough to make the tournament? No, so I actually, the contract I signed was with a team, Delfines del Este. Okay. And my agent messaged me while I was in the airport on my way to Dominican Republic. And he said that the team that signed you is loaning you to a different team. Their team is very good, and again, they don't want you to come in and not play because they haven't seen you. They signed you was very good, and they wanted yeah. to loan you out so you could get some time. Right, because again, they so haven't that makes, seen you play. That makes sense. So. You're younger, especially at center back. You know, it, the the age range for center back is not quite goalkeepers, but it's definitely a little bit more mature than like yeah players, if you'd agree. No, exactly. So. Yeah. That, that honestly that makes a decent bit of sense to them so you got loaned out to a different team in the same league right so now, still in the same tournament do they have rules against pay, playing against parent clubs or were you able to show them what they were missing well i played well i had a good tournament but our team i mean it was just sure. not good did you get a chance to play your parent club no, we were in a different group. Ah, okay, that's what I, I was wondering if you got to kind of show them. Like, yeah, hey. no. but, but I mean, the first the first game I played, I played well. I mean, they're all televised. They and the the again, I speak. I don't even want to say decent Spanish, but I can get by more more, more than you speak Polish. A lot, a lot more than Polish or Albanian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. I've actually been brushing up a little bit on Duolingo. A little, you know. I'm trying to spend my my bathroom time that I would be spending on the stupid games into yeah, yeah, yeah. you know learn a little something. But there you go, self improvement. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I took it in high school, but like that's yeah, no, it's okay. So it's a little different. Yeah, little e- little easier. Now, what they have you up in a hotel or what? So they, I was staying in an apartment with six other players from the team, and again, it was all the foreign players. How like how cramped are we talking? No, it was it was a good situation there. So okay, the, it was the, like a whole like thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was a, a big apartment. Not like kitchen. a hotel room. No, no. Okay, no, it was good. And the, so it, they were all Colombian. Hmm. So I now, had to practice my Spanish. Now, sorry to interrupt again. Now, this was you were being housed by your your uh, parent club or your loan club. The loan club. Okay, so you were with the the other players from your loan club. You weren't like with players from the other team. Oh yeah, yeah. That'd yeah. be a little weird. Oh, so with the loan, 
I guess they basically were saying to the the club that I signed with, the parent club, they basically said, hey, do you have anyone we can we can pay to have them loan over here? So that's kind of what that situation was. The club signed me. They not sold me, but loaned me. The other team paid and brought me in. Mm-hmm. So for the tournament, I was that team's player. So the contract was basically just sent over to them. I signed the contract and went from there. Okay, so you still you were still technically attached to the other club, but all your salary was and all that stuff, everything was being provided by the um, the loan club. Right. Yep. Okay. But so we played the first match. Like I said, I played well. Uh, I quickly got the name uh, Gringo from the commentators. Yeah. Became kind of not famous over there, but everyone in the league knew me because I was the only white person there. Hey, so. I, I mean, as as someone who sticks out myself, I stick yeah. out everywhere, basically everywhere I go, but Ireland. So yeah, I'm yeah. always more, I'm always really rememberable. Mm. And I mean, again, playing playing football, that's not a bad thing if you're trying to get scouted. So. Oh, absolutely not. So, um, so I played the first game. The commentators were speaking very kindly of me. They're comparing me to like Americans that have gone over to Europe or Spain or Germany oh, and very, very nice. technical. And so, yeah. And the president of the parent club, he called me that night and just said, Hey, great game. Played very well. Like just keep it up. And mm-hmm. That was kind of it. But I mean, just kind of being recognized. All right. You played well. Yeah, I mean that's big shot of the shot of the item. Mm-hmm. So again, kept playing. Didn't get very good results, but I mean, can't really can't really control. What was the? Uh, I don't know. Not to dig into it too much, but if you could diagnose quickly, what was the issue? You know, too young, too old, too not old. You know, was it tactical, technical? I don't know. What was a little bit of everything? I mean, we just couldn't score goals. We just couldn't score goals. Oh, okay, fair enough. We would have thirty. Although that's very that's very easy thing for the for the defender to say. Ah, it was all the offense. I mean, get up on there and then it's corner kick, set pieces, chips, baby. Uh, I was I was they they made me the free kick taker and penalty taker, but we just didn't get any penalties and very few kicks. Yeah. So. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me though. You were um, when we played together. You were like you said, attacking midfielder, but you know, set pieces very well. As um, so, anyway, you, you played out uh, until until you guys weren't playing anymore, basically. Right. Yeah, I think it was seven matches, and so then we were just kind of sitting there. I was speaking with the agent that got me over there, and he basically told me. Right now, we have a situation for you. You're going to go back to the parent club that you signed with originally. And this, at the time that I was talking with him, it was like the playoffs had just started and the parent club was in. And he was telling me that if they win, they qualify for what's called the Flow CONCACAF tournament. So that's the Caribbean CONCACAF qualifying tournament. It was kind of like when when we got destroyed in state cup, but we won president's cup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like, yeah, we won. Well, except no, I don't know if you remember 
they uh, we they like reshuffled the Legion or something, and we ended up playing some team from like L.A. I don't know. Yeah, if we. Remember that. I, I, like, I remember who. We, hey, we I played. Got, I assisted you that game. Yeah, yeah. So, we hey. played. I think it was like the number three and two top ten teams from L.A. and a team yeah, from Las Vegas. Like, I think. Oh, we reshuffled it. So like this team from L.A. is coming all the way out to Chicago to whoop. I don't know, but we got to see the city. That was. Yeah, it was, a really no, it, was, it was fun. It was. It was after I had been cut from the team, so that was like a whole interesting undercurrent. But yeah. <laughs> let's not go. Let's not go too far on a tangent. I want you to take us home here on your uh, journey here. So, um, okay. So, parent club is in playoffs, um, and the agents talking to you. What's next step? If they win, they qualify for that tournament. Mm-hmm. And if they win that tournament, then they qualify for the Concacaf Champions League. So they'd be playing teams like they just the CONCACAF tournament just took place and like seven MLS teams, Monterey. Oh, OK. So like if they had won that, maybe they might have been playing uh, the crew because the crew were playing some uh, like they, a team, I believe. Yeah. So there was a Dominican Republic team that was in the CONCACAF tournament. Okay, this year, okay. And I they played Monterey and got absolutely destroyed. Well, well, it, I mean, it's an experience. Crew. So yeah. to be fair, um, so so how many? Okay, multitude question, I guess. How many teams from the Dominican Republic make it to the 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 pre-Concacaf tournament, if you will? So how many spots? That tournament it was two teams. Okay, it so was the winner of the league the previous season and the winner of the tournament. Okay. And but so basically it was you can play with this team next season. Hopefully they'll be qualified for CONCACAF. And then January came when they were supposed to start playing. And they qualified for the CONCACAF tournament. They won the the tournament. Mm-hmm. They won the so Dominican tournament? They won the Dominican oh. tournament and which qualified them for the CONCACAF Caribbean. Okay. And so with that, the president started um, signing a lot of very big name players to uh, try okay. to win the the tournament because I guess, I mean, obviously there's prize money involved. There's a lot of things. Yeah, I, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. So they brought in a lot of players, like a player from Palmeiras who just won the, the Copa Libertadores. Um, okay players from first division Colombian teams, a player that played, he's, all these guys are national team players, but a player that um, I think he played with Wolves in their academy until U18. And then he went over to Poland and played, I think, first division. So I mean, again, just top players. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of a bias market right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so January came, basically said, they're not going to sign you. We'll keep looking. And now it is May, barely, and still, still kind of trying to work things out. I mean, again, COVID. Yeah. COVID I has still been a huge know, thing. Anything with um, New England too? Are they still interested in? I well, I'm. So, I'm not gonna say I know, but. I know that Bruce Arena took over and like there, I know there was some like bigger structural changes behind the scenes at New England Revolution 
in total. Yeah. So I don't know what how that might have affected things. So with with what you just said, going off of that, my agent kind of explained it's basically Bruce kind of has his hands on who they bring in. Yeah, that's 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 what it. I heard when when he came in. It was an agreement that he would you know he would basically be Ice and Wenger and be able to. So I was I was wondering how that ramified for you. Yeah, so I mean, it was basically you don't have enough experience. You don't have. Yeah, that's. You don't, I mean, yeah, that's if you know from what I know, Bruce Arena. He's yeah, kind of old. He's a bit too old. He's a bit old school, in my opinion. But anyway, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's like that everywhere in the U.S. It's just kind of you either come from an academy or you're we're gonna bring in a foreign player or a guy that's thirty who yeah. he's played. Yeah. Uh, do you think like the uh, ex- being able to like access, uh, like getting access to teams and stuff? Do you think it's more difficult in the United States? So like the system, I feel like the system, especially in MLS, of like bringing players from youth to the pros is overly complicated and uh, bureaucratic. And from what I'm seeing, I don't know from the inside what that looks like, especially like contrasting what you've seen in the different countries you've been in? So, I mean, for me, it's just, it's a crazy business in the U.S. It's, I mean, like we've said, we've both gone through through club soccer. It's extremely difficult to get into academies. If you're not in, in, in an academy, it's very difficult to get a lot of good offers from like the top division one schools, whatever they're, they're looking for academy players and whether it be there, it's a better system like training system and program, or they kind of trust the guys that are running the academies. So they'd rather, they'd rather take a player from a guy that they know versus take a chance on someone from a, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bit of a leap in in this statement, perhaps, but I feel like soccer in the United States is too white collar and mm. too I don't want to say too upper class, but the the fact and you know both of like we played it it was you know we weren't national champions or anything, but it was a decently high level club, Club Ohio, and you know some of those other clubs. But yeah, like yeah, the, the the cost of those things are totally prohibitive for you know anyone who doesn't come from I you know I think we were both privileged to come from a background where our parents could afford that but so many talented players you know and, and there's not a direct correlation but I think it's very easy to argue that for lack of better wording poor players are better because they're hungrier and they want it more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, generally speaking, of course, there's exceptions on both sides of that. But, you know, with the with the way that we do it here, we wonder why our best athletes don't play soccer. Well, how much does it cost to play basketball? The cost of a basketball. How, how much should it cost to play soccer? It should cost a soccer ball. But right. instead, it costs thousands of dollars and, you know, this and that. So, and I think that then extends to, like you said, with the academies, it's very political you know, it's who, you know, do you, I mean, obviously that's very much the case. Like you said, you, you meet agents through who, you know, and all that stuff. Um, do you feel like it varies country to country 
um, the importance of who you know versus your actual quality? Like, would you say that who you know is more important in America than your relative to your quality than maybe somewhere else? Would that be an accurate statement? Uh, definitely, definitely. So for me, uh, a firsthand experience that kind of really opened my eyes on why you need an agent if you're looking to be successful. So I went, this was before I had a contract still, and I was basically just looking for any opportunity. So I saw, again, I'm not going to name names of the club, but sure. USL club, a couple states over, they were having open tryouts. You pay yeah. 150 or whatever. It's a full weekend, two day thing. And if they like you, maybe they'll give you a tryout or whatever. Yeah. Like I go over, I stay the night in a hotel. We play the first, the first hour of like the, the two hour session is just stretching, warming up like two V two, three V three and very small sided, not very game realistic, but again, yeah. it's, there are aspects of it that you need to see if you can play well. Sure, and then sure. we did 45 minutes of 11-11. At the end of that, and again, I thought, all right, I played, I played not like the best football I've ever played, but I played well. I mean, I was confident. Sure. I brought everyone in and out of the, I, I don't have the number, but just guessing probably 100, 120 kids. They called out six names to stay for the second day. So six out of the 120 guys that were there that paid to do the two-day session. Oh, so you're not even guaranteed the second day. You're only guaranteed the first. Apparently. But again, I, I know there's a lot of, of tryouts and combines where they'll have cuts to kind of get rid of the players that they have no business being there, but I mean, but, why not try? Yeah, I already, I already heard that butt coming for this example. Um, it's this, this was the club making money. Yeah, money grab for sure, and that's what yeah, happens everywhere. I mean, that's just as that's exactly as shameful as what we're talking about. With you know, it's a little less malicious than leaving fourteen-year-old kids in a country, but it's the exact same. It's the exact same mentality, and that's. I don't know. I, I almost can kind of see it from, it just depends on how they package it. If they package it as a legitimate chance to get into the team and like that, then yeah, they're assholes. But you know, if they, if they brand it as more of like a, a fan experience where you can play on the field or, you know what I mean? Then, okay. Then maybe it's not as, it depends on how they sold it, but I'm, from no, the, I mean, I can. They sold the, it as a legitimate combine, not as a fan experience. Yeah, they sold it as come try out. Uh, they're selecting players to join them for preseason, and I'm guessing it cost more than more than a candy bar. We'll say no, it was yeah, like one fifty, I think. Sure, that's. I mean, that's exactly about where I was guessing. So you know, yeah. if you paycheck to paycheck, that's a lot. Yeah, it's it's not cheap to. Once again, we're anti the, the soccer in you know soccer in the United States. Well, I don't you know I don't want to get too into a tangent of the business culture of the United States and profit is king and all that stuff. But you know, sports are a reflection of culture and vice versa, so mm -hmm. that would make sense. Um, kind of touching on the the differences culturally, though, um, maybe on more good stuff. Um, 
the differences in culture, how do you see that play out on the field in terms of like play style? Now, you know, I've heard you stereotypically, you know, you South Americans are quick ball handlers, your English men are kicking anything within five feet of them, you know, um, how did you see the play style vary as you went to different places and how, and did you see at all the variances from like reflections of the culture in any way? Um, so in, in Poland, we, we played against a couple of their professional teams and they were all just very big, very physical, not very technical. A lot of crossing and trying to get a header. A lot of four four twos, I'm guessing. Yeah. Four four twos and okay, so yeah. Strikers were six three, six English. Four. Old school English style, we'll call that. Eighties English. And then Albania, it was pretty similar. I mean, depending on the team, it would change a little. Okay, yeah, so that's a little there bit. a few teams that had skillful wingers, and they would just try to get the ball wide to them. Down, like, um, Mediterranean area, because Poland is pretty squarely Eastern European. So yeah, that yeah. Kind of, and would you agree that it kind of reflects the, like, the culture even off the field a little bit, or culturally? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, you would agree? And yeah, then, yeah, uh, that's fair. Dominican Republic, what's the play style and cultural... Um, uh, pretty free, I guess. I mean, which would fit the culture. I mean, very some athletic. of the players were very, some of the players were very athletic and just quick, get the ball to them and they'll run. Mm -hmm. But with the league, they bring in a lot of Argentinian players, a lot of Colombian players. And those players, you see a lot more technical ability. Passing comedy. Slower there. Yeah. Tempo. A lot, a lot better IQ. They know mm -hmm. the game. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, what about like um, playing surfaces? How were the playing surfaces on in the places that you? I, I'm I'm sure you played on your your share of potato patches, but in general, like I'm I'm assuming that the grass was a touch thicker in Poland, and that the so ground was a touch harder in Albania. Am I correct? In Poland, in Poland, the 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 pitches were very nice that we were playing on while we were at the tryouts. So that was the, the third division team. We were using their facilities mm -hmm. and they were very nice. Like very professional, short, soft. They watered it daily. Not, not turf. No, 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 not turf. Artificial turf, boo. Yeah, not I, a fan um, of that, but. I played on that in college. Did, does Elmhurst have turf or is it grass? Yeah, it's turf. That's no good. That's why your knees go. Notice how your knees stopped getting hurt when you stopped playing on turf so much? Anyways. Oops. Anyway, how are the pitches in Albania? <laughs> <laughs> sure, you can imagine what they're like, and you're probably right. So It's like some of the bad ones that we played on. Yeah, they're just not good. Yeah. Like, you, don't play it, you don't play it along the ground. I, it's that's like beach soccer you um totally random here but uh beach soccer are you a beach soccer guy do you play well i mean especially dominican republic i mean they got beaches does is that like you know do the lads ever like hey after we're gonna, we're gonna hit the beach and play a little bit or something 
So the the team that I was signed with is Delfines del Este. Mm-hmm. They're on the coast. They're in La Romana, right on the coast, a nice resort area. Yeah. Where I went was up in the hills, and there uh, were no beaches. I see. Well, I mean, it's not that big of a country, but I guess if you don't have your own transportation. Yeah, then... we didn't have a car or anything. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, yeah. Bicicleta. But yeah, I didn't see any uh, any beaches or anything like that while I was there. But is beach soccer like, um, I don't know, You have you ever played beach soccer? I have not. I watched it. Yeah, yeah, no, I watch it. That's why I'm, that's what, when we were talking about, I can't play it on the ground. That's literally, they, they can't play it on the ground. So. Yeah, just juggle it across the field. Yeah, and... and then there's like weird stuff where like, he can pick it up in the whole i don't know there's some there's some weird stuff going on in beach soccer but it's kind of cool too yeah i'm just here for the free kicks <laughs> just tee it up nice anyway um but talking about kind of i guess alternate forms of soccer if you will i i know you've played some futsal in your life for yeah. sure. um so, big futsal fan yeah i i can imagine i can imagine so um what's your hmm, what's your perfect play start playing surface if you will like how fast is it? I don't know. Describe your perfect playing surface. See, the surface with the environment. So it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. The whole uh, set up the whole um, picture for me. Paint a picture, please. So it's going to be around seven thirty at night. The lights are on. You're going to have fresh cut grass that's just been watered. Yeah. So it's nice and slick. Just a touch. And just firm enough where you're not sliding around everywhere, but nice and soft. You ping a pass, you can see the blades coming up. Yeah. No, I feel that. Yeah, you um that's a pretty good description. Yeah, a little I don't know. Some people like it and eh, depending on some people like it a little longer and drier, maybe. Uh, but that's Nah. Yeah. If you like to move Not the ball around a lot quickly, yeah. I mean, you, you when you move the ball around very quickly, you know, for someone who likes, you know, someone more like my play style, I play a lot more. Like, you know, especially after my two knee injuries, I don't have any pace anymore. I'm very much um, Chabi Alonso at Bayern Munich yeah. is who I try <laughs> to emulate, or you know, Pirlo yeah. at NYCFC. Yeah, not bad but, players to. I said, uh, I commented recently, I think Pirlo runs around more in his technical area than he did at NYCFC. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, what kind of, I mean, obviously there were issues, but specifically in like the, the playing and training aspect, where, what kind of issue is language barrier? Like, do you have a situation where your coach is saying something and you just don't, you like he's saying stuff and you're like, I, well, I don't understand what he's saying. So I'll just, you know. Uh, I mean, I know you said you have a little Spanish, but you know, if yeah, like yeah. your coach was, if your coach is saying something, does he try to translate it to different languages or like in Poland, is he just going to say it in Polish? And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't suck. Yeah. No, I mean, you definitely have to be a problem solver. I mean, like you said, it's all about adaptation and kind of, mm-hmm. but like it's, on you, it's on you to like, is the coach Are... aware that like, you don't know the language? Or is he just like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they're aware for sure. But it's, I mean, so in Poland, again, we weren't even really in an environment where it was. Yeah, I mean, all all the other stuff aside in Poland. Yeah. I mean, 
it was just kind of if you if you know the game you can read the game yeah no sure but even i mean well even before then even the team you played with before you got the you know said you would be staying with that polish team with with people from just all over you know how how quick or difficult is it to just pick up and play with people from all over the world and how much does language play a part in that so that's that's kind of where i was going like i don't i don't mean like obviously it's an issue it's going to be an issue for anyone but it's just like when i when i played as an attacking mid i did not talk at all i would not say mm -hmm. more than five words a game unless it was like trash talk or something to the yeah. other team but but as a center back you have to yeah as a center back it's a lot more vocal it's so in poland albania i'm just yelling in english if they understand they understand if they don't then they don't but well then if they don't get the connotation then hopefully they at least get oh, excuse me i mixed that up if they don't get the denotation then they'll at least get the connotation of what you know and you throw right yeah. throw some motions and yeah well yeah, exactly. you don't want to be saying get too out, many words yeah. doing games anyway i mean right. that's you don't want to be too complex doing games just try to keep it simple and and i mean and like you said they're all professionals so i mean they all know what they're doing you're not playing with like total randos so like they have a feel for getting a feel for you and you have a feel for getting a you know it's mm -hmm. an aspect of flexibility which is a huge yeah, yeah. important thing in soccer it's i think flexibility is more important in soccer than some other sports um oh for sure know, yeah but i mean think of like baseball or american football you know you do your thing and that's that's all you need to do my man yeah exactly oh, and, so um another thing i guess i want to ask about as you traveled around um officiating refereeing um i i think and a lot of people agree that officiating in the united states is lagging behind where it should be um given the, the amount of game but any how was the officiating as you went on your travels? Was did you find it better or worse in certain places? So in Albania, I really didn't have a problem with with the refs. I think they were decent. I mean, they controlled the games pretty well because a lot how, of the environments there were very hostile. Like how tight do you like your games called? Uh, I don't. I really don't have a preference. I just like consistency. Like yeah, yeah, to, I would agree. Consistency. Yeah, like if you're gonna call it tight, call it tight. But if you're gonna call it loose, don't change your mind at halftime and then start calling stuff that you weren't calling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you'd say they were they were more consistent in uh, Albania. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were good. It was like I said, it was a very hostile environment. Most games, most games usually had a couple fights from the crowds and. Oh yeah. So did was, did they generally try to keep it tight, or did they just let it run? Uh, again, it varied. I mean, okay, yeah. On the ref. Okay, yeah, I guess so. I would just, but, I guess, generally, like maybe just even comparing. So compare like the three Dominican versus Poland versus uh, Albanian. You know, where was it the tightest? Where was it the loosest? And where was it the least consistent, if you will? So the, the least consistent was Dominican Republic for sure. There's Conca no doubt. Calf. Yeah, Concacaf refereeing blows. Well, there that's there was. One set of refs that refed together every time they refed, and they were good. They would call a good match every time. But if you didn't get that set of refs, it was 
There was a match where find. Yeah, there was a match where I was called a penalty on, and I was looking where the ref was to to confront him, and I couldn't find him. I was like, "Where's this guy at?" And he's at half field, jogging to the spot. Oh my lord! So then we sprint over to the AR. Um, again in broken Spanish, like you see this, tu miras, <laughs> no toca, no toca. Yeah, you see. And he's like, and so he says, yeah, yeah, no, I didn't see. No, you didn't foul. No foul. So, all right, you tell him. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They meet. 30 seconds, they're talking. And the ref penalty. And they have it on video review. There's clearly no touch. And the announcers are sitting there I don't saying, suppose they have VAR yet in the Dominican League. No, they don't. But it really wouldn't be difficult to have. Because they just set a TV monitor out there and Eugene, and would you say generally, even outside playing, just watching, you pro VAR, would you say? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? Okay, tell me why. I want them, like, it's a good idea, but every game, the rules are different, it seems. Every game, like, I'm a Chelsea fan, and I feel like Chelsea has been absolutely shafted by VAR so many times this season so would you say maybe it's just been very poor implementation absolutely like again if it if it was conceptually out, you you for it conceptually ish ish okay well t- tell me ish why not i uh, you know the why i is love obvious. i love why? human error in sports that's, i think that that's brings it it brings like a different aspect to the game like you get away with a foul the ref didn't see it that's your, that's you your know, advantage. What would have happened if France didn't make that 2010 World Cup? I mean, actually, I guess like nothing would be different at all because they totally flamed out. But you know, we'll yeah. always get to remember that handball. Yeah, against uh, our lads. The other main, um, the other main argument against it is that like the time it takes. It's very momentum killing. Yeah, that's, and- I think that's my main issue with it. Um, yeah, I see a lot of arguments. Like for, a minute, a minute long wait that really kills momentum. If one team is like feeling it, you know, that's yeah, yeah. you don't get timeouts in soccer, which right. why it's so important to have someone who can control tempo, uh, which is a separate conversation. Because, um, but anyway, okay, I don't, I don't want to get too far down into the technical tempo setting things, but you, yeah, yeah. you know what. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess as a center back, are you more of a ball playing center back? I'm assuming, oh. and just a straight destroyer. I like to see myself as an attacking center back. Uh, Gonna make that into a new position. Sergio Ramos. Yeah. Well, okay. Paneka take Paneka penalties. Absolutely not. Smash them. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. Um. Oh. Um. What would you say you like personal? tactical philosophy is if if you could kind of nail like if you were making a team from scratch with custom play you know what would your tactics be Mm, that's tough so i would definitely play like a 4-3-3 more of a more of a center forward rather than striker and kind of a false nine but not yeah false nine Semi-false nine. With the with one six and an eight ten ish combo. Yeah. And basically in possession, drop the six in is like a like between the center backs. 
Yeah, in, in between the center backs mm-hmm. and just kind of open it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I like possession. You're speaking my language, my man. Dropping between center backs and eight, six, ten. Uh, what are those fullbacks doing? Are they getting high and wide? If they can. Like, I, I hate playing in teams where the manager is set, all right, you guys are going high, but they can't attack. Like, they're great defenders, but can't attack. Okay. Well, or if they're, would you want them to be high or would you want them coming yeah, yeah. a bit later? I would I would rather them crest high from the start. Get high and tuck in the wingers a little. Okay. So you'd as a center back. You'd want the shape up. You don't want like the late runs coming from them. Right, right. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of who is a good late run maker. Um, I don't know. Anyway. But less of like a totally pushing. Well, I okay. I'm a little bit. So I would have like on the right side. I would have a okay. I would either have two right footers or two left footers. So on one on one side. See, I don't like to be completely symmetrical. Mm. Um. So I would have. So then I would have one overlapping and one inverting in kind of what I call the Jao Cancelo fullback, which yeah. you know he's kind of made that where that um where that outside that far side outside back pinches in and becomes kind of like a second pivot mm-hmm. kind of becomes like another not even like I, I don't know they kind of replace the six as the six drops if you will yeah uh, and then they can make that run from inside to out but that's just me personally i like i like a little um asymmetry in my tactic yeah definitely no that's my wingers would definitely be Right side, left footed to cut in. Inverted, yeah. Yeah, and then I really like the the early ball from the outside back. So that's okay. why I wouldn't have them going all the way. With the winger and then one touch ball into the striker before the defenders can get back settled. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what kind of striker you like? Big Bodley? No. Well, eh. I don't know. It's it's tough. Like. On a scale of Peter Crouch to Carlos Tevez, oh no, excuse me, not Tevez, who's who is even smaller than him, um, Eusebio. On Peter Crouch to Eusebio. I'm gonna go Benzema. <laughs> Benzema. Okay, that Benzema is my he's my perfect center forward. He, he's a touch big than like your normal dude. He's got the hold up, yeah. but he's extremely tactical. Yeah, I think if he. Like, if he and Cristiano went on the same team for all those years, he might have gotten his own Ballon d'Or. He really was that good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Still is that good. I mean, he's – I'm a Real Madrid fan. I don't – I have no idea what they're doing. They've got, like, a team full of, you know, the guys who won four Champions Leagues are all turning 35, and then you got a bunch of youngsters, and there's, like, no one in between. Yeah, no. Hazard. Hazard is the new Gareth Bale. That's, that's scary as a Chelsea fan. We would. I heard somewhere that like they were gonna do a swap him for Christian Pulisic, and I was like, as a Real Madrid, I'd take that in a second. Oh my lord! Well, they should. Hazard. Hazard. Huh? Never sold Di Maria to Man United. Should have kept him. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone, anyone going to Manchester is. Well, anyone going to that side of Manchester. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Anyone going to United? Which I don't know if you saw. Well, for those of you interested, we're recording this on the 27th. So this was just after. Did you watch the Europa League final with between yeah. United? Uh, penalties all the way to De Gea. 
That's why everyone's got to practice pens. You know, if I'm, if we're doing penalty practice, keepers got to take them too. Cause that Villa, they're all duty. I mean, well, everyone was smashing. Well, yeah. I don't know. Some of them might've, might've should have maybe been saved, but they sh- that's what, um, yeah. De Gea, De Gea looked like he never trained to save or take a penalty in his life. Like, yeah. I, I yeah, know, I know penalties aren't easy for a goalkeeper. You're not supposed to save them. But, that's, but he that's never looked close. Yeah, it's... I don't, I don't yeah. know. Well, to be fair, when you get scored on 11 straight times without making a save, you know, after like the sixth or seventh one, you d- you would understand why you might start being like, oh my God, I'm not going to get any of these. It's like, I don't know if you ever played um, Super Mario Strikers Charged on the Wii, where you could, oh, yeah. like, you could put in like the super shot uh, shot like six times and it would be at like high speed and you and if you played the computer at the highest difficulty it would just be like uh, 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 and you get scored on like six times that's how it feels. yeah yeah no i get it's again nothing nothing against goalkeepers but it's just for me in a shootout you, you gotta you gotta do something like again he i don't know if he was just trying to read it too much to the point where if they sent him the wrong way, he just kind of stood there. Issue. Yeah, that's what I kind of think. He, he's been in decline since probably 2014. And then now, I, uh, you know, it's uh, I don't think he's – the. you know, they, they don't exactly assign, yeah, he's the, the starting goalkeeper, but it seems that Dean Henderson is kind of winning that battle. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what his future holds. I'd like to see him move – where could he go? I'm trying to think. Uh, if someone, okay, let's say if PSG, I'm doing a little trans, fantasy transfer dominoes here. Kalu Navas gets old, PSG buys Juan Oblock, and De Gea goes back to Atletico where he started his career. It makes too much sense. I mean, I predicted the Suarez to Atletico to win the title. I was like, I did not predict four, that. A 4-4-2 with Suarez and Costa up top would just be the most... Dis- and I think they got ended up releasing Costa, but still, like, was, would you like to play center back against Costa and Suarez? You'd be black and blue. Oh yeah, absolutely not. That's and that's what I'm realizing a lot now. Is again, I always had the idea that center backs are all like huge, and the mm-hmm. strikers are five ten, whatever, just good. But it seems like everywhere I look now, other than the U.S. and England, I guess, mm-hmm. but like the center backs are five eight, five nine, five ten, six two at the tallest. But the strikers are getting very stout and bullish. Yeah, yeah. built like bulls. Yeah, and just well, I mean, I think that's you've seen. I mean, the game has just been evolving, kind of in that direction as well. You know, it maybe in different regions, it's developing at different paces, but. Generally, the game's been moving more towards that direction. Um, I guess one uh, one question, one other question I had for you. So, what is your like your pregame? I don't even want to say ritual, but like, what is? Let's say you have a match at like seven p.m. So, starting from seven p.m. the day before, what is your twenty-four hour preparation for a match? All right. So, I I do like to drink a lot of water. Well, so, that's just obviously try to get like not necessarily a gallon a day, but 
enough to stay hydrated. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm not one of those guys that thinks you have to drink a certain amount or you're going to be dehydrated. Of, when you're thirsty. Well, I mean, right. absolutely can. And it's been proven is very bad. You can drink too much. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just so drink like you, exactly. So water throughout the day, probably try to get some pasta in pasta, chicken breast for dinner the night before night before mm -hmm. um, probably in bed by 11 11 30 not like not how are you are you in what ways are you mentally preparing like are you going over the tactics or are you just like trying to relax mentally or how are you preparing in that sense so i try to visualize or do visualization like practices i guess the night before a match yeah. Just kind of where I lay in bed and before I go to sleep, kind of take different key parts of any match that a center back would go through, like winning headers off a goal kick or corner. Um, now, what kind of like forward tactical reports do you get on? Like, how scouted are your opponents? Or is it more like, well, we'll see what they're like when we show up? uh for me so far it's been like that again i'm sure the higher you go there's well, I think obviously too some you know some coaches will just say we're going to do what our thing and it doesn't matter and other yeah. coaches are more like we're going to you know it's a philosophy thing but yeah definitely so not yeah. not necessarily studying tactics but just kind of doing some positive visualization the night before is what yeah you, okay yeah and then just kind of wake up when I wake up. I'm not an alarm clock guy. Okay. Again, the match is at seven. So I have breakfast anywhere from nine to 11 whenever I wake up, somewhere in there. What's your, what's your ideal pre-match breakfast? So for me, I got to go omelet. Okay, Usually like right. a three or four egg omelet with tomato, spinach, and maybe like avocado toast. Mm, avocado, yes, very nice. Okay. So get a cup of coffee in me and then maybe go for like a walk jog mix, just kind of get the legs moving. Mm -hmm. With like stretches and stuff, I assume. Right, yeah. Just a little jog stretch, yeah, okay. Just kind of try to get loose and start preparing the mind. Not not necessarily focusing on the game, but just so my body and mind is, I know I have a game later. Yeah. I try to stay. You try not to do anything too mentally stimulating. Right, right. Stay relaxed, more just. That's smart. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember in college, you know, trying to go going to practice with games after like you just took like an exam or something. It's just like. Ugh, you know you're all yeah, yeah. sloppy and all over the place so i i know how that could be yeah i mean as a player in college like again like you said it's it's a whole you have a lot more going on and i noticed that a lot of games i would almost feel tired just from how much i tried to prepare for the match yeah so that's, the match, i mean yeah I that's like, another uh smoke point to make too so you don't you want to make sure you're not adjusting my chair here you want to make sure you're not you know over preparing and like you know burning you mentally burning yourself out right right but you also you know okay so you're kind of like stretching the mind you're not yeah exactly 
just okay. kind of warming up the mind, getting it ready for. Yeah, in the same way that you take a walk slash jog, that's you you mentally jogging, not. Yeah. Jogging. Okay, and then yeah. what? Like when when would you have like you lunch? I guess. So I would probably eat around three, two thirty three. So like so four hours pre match. Yeah, and it would usually be again same thing pasta try to get carbs and chicken or mm -hmm. turkey something lean but again protein yeah the carbs decent amount of protein and carbs but you want them to be like you know lean you don't want lighter yeah. you don't want anything you don't want any fat so as low fat as you can get it but anyway oh so i would have that and then um then probably around 4.30ish, probably head to the stadium. And we're just kind of hanging out in the locker room, kind of joking around. Yeah. Nothing what is serious. what is the atmosphere inside the, has it been different in any of the different places or is it kind of like a, a similar kind of atmosphere? So I, I'll go for from college to Dominican Republic. They're all different. Like okay. College, it's in the inside the locker room, music playing, joking around. I was never in the locker room. I would always kind of get my stuff, go sit out in the hallway, listen to music, and like I said, everything was business. And again, like I said, I think with that kind of came with some drainage where you're almost overthinking. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think I, especially like um. If you got like a long uh, bus ride or something like a 45 minute something like that where it's like just the right amount of time when you're just kind of like thinking about it too much if you will yeah yeah I mean, that's oh, definitely yeah. Not a problem. like away games i try to sleep as long as i can yeah and yeah traveling just... traveling is is a whole you know there's so many parts to soccer outside of what happens on the field yeah yeah it's how you travel, how you eat, and how you okay. So let's say let's say right now though, how what what are you like in the locker room? Are you joking around with the teammates or are you still kind of in your own like yeah, so so I mean the first probably 15, 20 minutes of being there, I keep the headphones off, joking with the guys. And I'm not even necessarily joking, but just kind of making so hearted like starting the connections yeah yeah talking whatever and then we get closer to the preparation for warm-ups so then i'll start listening to music kind of get into the zone of all right we have a match do you see do you kind of see everyone else start to do that as well some do and some again like this day okay they it depends on the person yeah definitely definitely okay. depends on the person and again, with some of the teams that I played with, you can kind of tell who's played professionally before, who this is their first contract, or they in, don't have in a lot what of ways, experience. Uh, if if you could name one specific uh, in that context, like how could you how could you pick someone out who you know you could say ah that's a pro. So I think if you are a pro athlete getting ready for a match and you are i don't i don't know how to to word it i guess but i i think you are there to do a job 
Mm-hmm. It, it becomes business. It's not all fun and games. Again, you should be having fun, obviously, but there's a, a, a switch that you kind of turn on. And if you walk into a locker room, you should be able to tell who's playing that match just by how they're how they're carrying themselves at that point. Yeah, well, that, that's me, what I was kind of um, uh, alluding to before, how you say, like, at the beginning, everyone's kind of mixing, and then maybe, like, you starting 11 in a couple of your key subs, kind of, as the time goes, they start kind of going into their own thing, but then maybe the players who might not be playing or whatever, you know, they're all yeah. kind of, they're not maybe as focused on the matches. Well, okay, I guess that's my question. Are they maybe not on as focused on the match as they should be, or... I don't know. No, I, I think I think what you're saying what you're saying is it should be a professionalism. But I don't know. I'm, I I try to look at things from the other perspective as always, um, and I could see how certain people, just depending on their personality, that might like you know that might kind of be the mood that they need to get themselves in. You know, but yeah, that's that's where I mean. It's there's not like a right or wrong no, way no, to no. prepare I'm, for a match as long as you're prepared for the match yeah just for me personally i don't i think that the players that need to be joking around or whatever before a match might not necessarily have that that um that preparation where so when you're in the match if someone makes a mistake i feel like more often than not it's going to be that person that isn't 100% 100% concentrating on the match before. Well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it starts before the match for sure. I yeah. mean, it's like a slow, it's like a slow ramping up of focus. So like if they didn't do kind of the, the job, the mental jogging that you did in the morning, then they're not able to kind of transition once they get to the locker room. Would you say that might be accurate that they probably, yeah, yeah. Didn't, they didn't do the mental preparation leading up to the locker room. Right. So that, Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, so, like, there's guys dancing, there's guys singing, if there's music playing, whatever, just having a good time. Like, it's... And well, that's, for me, it's... I could see that towards more the beginning part. I could see that, but then, like... Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But, like, right before you go out, I, I wouldn't... I mean, that would be, in my opinion, that would be a little distracting for me. Like, is it ever distracting? Um, A little... But so again, going into like the ritual or whatever, for me, I watch like YouTube videos of depending on how I'm feeling, like whether it be like I'm watching center backs playing like Ramos, Varane, mm-hmm, Van Dyke. Right. You're watching long balls or you're watching tackles getting stuck in, depending. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just because I'm very big with visualization where it's like, I know even as a kid, like I would watch YouTube videos and I would catch myself in the middle of a game, almost having like a a flashback to that video Mm -hmm. of a similar scenario and using that either, whether it be a steel move or just making a decision. Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So self-teaching. Yeah. Okay. Well, I use the videos and so usually I can stay pretty focused on those, but I mean, again, people dancing around and yeah, it's hard not to notice in a, in a locker room. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I understood. And then I guess uh, once once game's over, what's like your, 
I know they the window is half an hour, but we'll we'll make it a little wider. What's like that hour after the game is over? What's your what's your recovery? Uh, uh, whatever. What's your recovery style, if you will? Um, again, kind of depends on where I'm at. I mean, like in college, I'm in my area. I know everything. I guess I'm comfortable. So I would have like a protein shake in the locker room ready for me and then pretty much do some light stretching either mm-hmm. at the field or in the locker room, get a meal in right after. Yeah. Kind of refuel with water and Gatorades. But I mean, again, you don't really have those. I didn't know if you had a specific post-game meal that you always had or something like that. Or if it's just, you know, you get what you can get where you're at. Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on depends on where. Well, so, okay. like, maybe we can talk more like theoretically then. If you know, if you let's say you were playing at Real Madrid, and you know, if you say you want to pack Oreos in your locker before the game, you're going to get them. You know, Jamie Vardy yeah. doesn't have to buy Red Bull anymore. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> so it may be in the hypothetical, like what what ex- what specifically or exactly might you want? Either pre- post game, pre post. Anything, any anything. If if you could have, you know, in that kind of context where you can get whatever you want, what might you want? So I mean, pregame, it's definitely caffeine. Mm-hmm. Like I like caffeine before a match, just so I'm like awake. Caffeine pills? Do you? No, I've never had a caffeine pill. No, but you might like um, I don't know, like a coffee. Whether it be coffee or uh, Red Bull energy drink, something. So just... so like a nice espresso. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. You like wouldn't mind espresso. that. No, no. And another one at halftime. Eh. No, that might be overdoing it. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, okay, but anyway, that and then and then post game, what what do you want in your locker when you get back in there? So again, I uh, probably a protein shake and maybe like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, something. Yeah. Something something small, and then when I get home, I'd have. It's like a high protein meal, whether that be again chicken or you're not like super hungry when you because it's kind of a specter. Some people like me, I'm not very hungry at all. Some people get off the field and they're ready to eat the whole house, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm usually not super hungry when I get off. So it's just something small to recover, obviously. I a lot of times mm-hmm. I'm not even hungry, but I think that's kind of like the best place to be, you know. I being like totally not hungry at all, kind of, you know, you kind of kind of force yourself and, you know, forcing yourself to eat when you're not hungry always kind of sucks. I, yeah. I sometimes have some nausea in the morning, so I know what that's like. Um, but, you know, you kind of got to do it. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, you have like the real, but it's important, you know, you got to hit that. Some people argue over whether it's 30 minutes, 35 minutes, whatever, but that, that, that window post exercise, you, you got to yeah, get yeah. at least a little snacky snack in there. Uh, electrolytes for sure I mean I remember even a dude who I used to like work out with like who was super big into lifting like Mm -hmm. after yeah post part of his post like workout recovery thing was just like a couple pieces of like candy like soup like you know like 99% sugar candy or whatever just you know to replace the electrolytes or whatnot yeah so yeah with that I guess (laughs) something I learned was I guess if you eat like sugary cereal or like even just like you said candy 
I guess that's supposed to help with your glycogen levels mm -hmm. so your body can intake protein easier. Sure. I learned yeah. that, I guess. Yeah. So that's but, where, like, if I can get Gatorade or something and then a protein shake, then I'm replenishing the protein that I've kind of burnt off, but I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to force myself to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Well, while well, we're on the the, um, the topic of nutrition, how have you felt that your nutritional, um, I guess, what would be the word to use? How do you feel like your nutrition and diet um, has evolved to help you support your playing? Um, like you know, back in you know back in high school, we can eat whatever we want and go run around for ninety minutes. Um, yeah. But then, especially you know, when you're trying to perform at a high level constantly. It becomes very important. So, how have you seen that develop? So, I mean, it becomes a lot easier, I guess, as you get older and as you, as your body changes, I guess you realize what works for you and what doesn't. So, okay. again, like I said, I I'm really into like eggs, omelets, because I feel like it's easily digestible. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I just try to keep like a high protein diet. Um, I've learned that I can, I mean, my, my body weight just fluctuates a lot, like, like extreme fluctuations where it can go from, I don't know if it's intake in water or, or what, but like after a, a training session, or before a training session, I can weigh myself. the kind of guy myself. that turns a black? Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, it's we had one of those. We we always had one of those. That's always fun. You you like midway through practice, it's like um staring at clouds, try to say, yeah. oh today his, the back his back looks like this. Or... <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's especially in Florida or Dominican oh, Republic where God. it's the humidity is extreme. God. But yeah, I can lose five pounds after a session easily. So okay. it's just. I mean, um, they're like. Well, especially in the Dominican Republic, do they do like a uh, hydration breaks or anything like that? We didn't do any. Uh, maybe we did. Would you? Would you? Do you wish there was hydration breaks? I, for some reason, I've never really drank water in between. Like, yeah, fair enough. Like in training sessions, I don't drink water, and at halftime, I do obviously, but. You know, well, I don't think you want to drink a lot during because then like it starts like kind of cramping up if you drink it. Yeah. So, but I didn't know, especially with like the heat, if you found those like to be helpful to get a little break, catch your breath, or if you found them to be, you know, disruptive. But no, I think they're that, definitely helpful. I mean, if nothing else, you can kind of figure out what's gone wrong in a match or what's working. I mean, it's kind of like a basketball. It's like a pretty yeah. basketball timeout, if you will. Yeah. But I definitely don't think they should be here to stay. Like I know they had them, even with COVID, just getting back into the matches, they would have they hydration should only be breaks used when necessary. They shouldn't. Yeah. They shouldn't implement them in all matches. Right. Anywhere. But when this, you know, especially when we're having this ridiculous cup in the Middle East, they're going to have to have one every five minutes. No, sorry, we're going to play the World Cup in the winter now. It's so crazy. Oh, money makes the world go. Money makes the World Cup go round. What are your aspirations post um, post playing career? 
What do you, what, what do you, well, okay, I guess first of all, I'll ask you have aspirations to coach uh, at any level? So that's, I definitely have that idea going around in my head a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I see myself really enjoying coaching. I just don't know what level I would like to coach at. Yeah. As of right now, I think I would definitely prefer older versus younger. And yeah. whether that be club or college or yeah. Um, if I could get professional. Yourself, but, yeah, could you see yourself later in the crew maybe holding like a player coach role, something like that? If there was one available to me, for sure. But, no, but that's, that's I don't think they, they give those out very often. No, 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 but that's something you would might be interested in. Like, you know, like you said, yeah. not much, but no, if, definitely if something like that. You, you definitely. OK, that's cool. But, you know, outside of that, what um, what are maybe some ideas? So, you know, what do you or are you going to be like, oh, I mean, there's that dude in Japan who's, who's a field player who's still playing at 50. So. After 50, nah. you got until then to figure out what you're going to do when you grow up. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let me, I, what did you major in at Elmhurst? So my major, well, I started out as sports management and international business. Mm -hmm. And I think it, you learned a few lessons about that in Poland as well. Yeah. Well, I should have stayed there through uh, Elmhurst. So I changed my, my um, degree to finance and international business and then a lot of short stories that turned into a long story uh, I changed to criminal justice so okay. my family pretty much everyone in my family is criminal justice they worked as police officers or in prison systems yeah it was something I was interested in but I was again, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to play play football. Yeah. Yeah. I know how that is. So I got my degree in criminal justice. I've thought about different options, kind of using that, whether it be go get my master's and be a grad assistant somewhere. So I could get my my grad assistant or I could get my master's, whether it be in criminal justice or something. Okay. In that area while getting coaching experience or going into policing. But again, right now it doesn't doesn't look like it's the most favorable job in the Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. But some something in that, maybe more in like a DA or prosecutor's office, some something like that side of the criminal justice. System. Yeah, yeah. Okay, again, so you've got so... some ideas. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of ideas that I can go into. Just still yeah, no, really... I was just, I was just curious because you know we see a lot of. I mean, I don't know what the statistic is, but like three years after they're out of the NFL or NBA, like sixty percent of players are broke. Now you, I know you're not exactly playing with that kind of money, but yeah, I was gonna say, you know, um, I always curious waiting to get there what, first. Well, it's always interesting to see what people's plan, uh, players' plans are post. You know, some of them want to do commentary. Some of them want to do coaching. Some of them, you know, some want to do referee when they retire. Um, is that? I would like you know, to. Did you ever ref like in youth at all? Yeah, I refed. I refed kind of throughout middle school and high school. Yeah. Same. And then I got over it very quickly. Yep. Same. So it's just. 
Oh it's, yeah, I got to apologize to any pe- on any teams that I refereed back then because I didn't wear glasses back then. So I'm sure I was making terrible <laughs> calls, like because I didn't start wearing glasses till like seventh grade. So like any any game that I refereed in like sixth grade, you were probably right. I probably did <laughs> my bad. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's I understand why it's so hard to find a good ref because they're chased off every every chance a fan gets. It's just yeah. not worth the money, even though the money is very good as a referee. Yeah, that is one thing. Yeah, pay you can get paid pretty good. At, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely like to stay in football somewhere. Just yeah, no, definitely. I was just curious not, how you might. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts of how you might kind of uh, wed the two, or where there might be some overlap in there? Um, you know prosecuting referees for bad calls or something like that prosecuting bad agents okay yeah foreign foreign agents no you could bring like class action lawsuits against like that's legitimate you know depending on what level of da's office you're at that's taking down fifa uh, okay maybe (laughs) you might have to go a couple rungs up for that but that's like seriously something you could fight for in the criminal justice system and you know because we both agreed it's I mean, hell, you maybe you could even help do something about these USL teams putting on bullshit combines. I mean, like, hey, either it's really a combine or it's not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but I'll, that's I'll where it... the, I'll see you on the paper one day. And you're yeah, like, yeah. Matthew McNamara <laughs> stops all the bullshit. Yeah. All the bullshit in the world has now stopped. It's over. We're good now. Right. I won't be too mad about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I guess the last thing I got to ask you is, how do you think this Saturday's final is going to go? I know you just said you're a Chelsea lad. I'm a citizen, if you will. Um, I would say that I would much, much rather be playing Real Madrid right now. <laughs> As a Real Madrid fan, I would much rather be playing Real Madrid. Um, I'm nervous as a City fan, especially given that we just lost in that community. Uh, was that FA Cup or Community Shield we lost you guys? FA Cup. FA See, okay, here I see it going one of two ways. Either we're going to lose one nothing in a very tense, tight game, or we get an early goal and you spend the whole game chasing and we won 3 1. It's either going to go one of those two directions, in my opinion. See, I don't know. Whenever we play, I'm very confident. Just that way I can put the positive vibes out there and say, yeah, we're going to win 3 0. And Fair if enough. we don't, we don't. You but, know, I used to think like that, but then I realized, like, I'm not actually part of the team, so I'm allowed to be negative, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I think know, but... the best case would be for us to take you to penalties, but then again, I don't think we would do well because of how many young players, and I just feel like... Uh, I'd take Ederson or Mendy any day of the week, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll take my man Zach Steffen. I love Zach. I'll take, I'll take Mendy over him. Well, yeah, but would you take Keppa over him? Oh, I would not. <laughs> I would take me over Keppa. Oh, Lord, Keppa, Keppa. Well, you can't get him off the field one way or the other. Um, anyway, all right. Um, I think it's been a pretty good wrapping up point. We're about as long as I thought we were going to go. But um, I appreciate you walking me through the the, the wild the wild road you've taken. Um, and so what you so you still kind of fishing for now? Just training, staying fit, and looking for clubs, basically. 
So again, I don't know what information I can or can't give out, but just okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. No, no, I just uh, I plan on going to the the agency again that I've been working with. They have residential programs, and so I I was just with the the eight my agent this last weekend, and he basically said we have two teams. One in Colombia, one in Costa Rica, hmm. and no they're basically hmm? there's no income tax in Costa Rica. That'd be nice too, but yeah, it'd be the first division or second division, Colombia, and basically I would join them in preseason, and I would have the preseason where they either sign me or don't. Hmm. But I'm going to join a residency program with them so I can train over in in mexico i think tijuana so oh. it's like right on the border and going to when, and from right San Diego. generally is that coming up soon or is that kind of down the road yeah that'll be that'll be within the next couple of weeks we'll wrap up here once again i appreciate it any i don't know how many uh soccer scouts will be watching this podcast i have 10 subscribers at the moment so i don't think one of them is pep but i could be wrong so Pep, call up my man best. Matt. He could, you could, you know, with the right wig, you could pass as Kevin. <laughs> I could see you in the midfield with Phil Foden and my man Silky Ilky Gundigan. Man, he's really come on this season. Yeah, he has. But anyway, all right, man. Um, do you have any like last thoughts, vibes you want to put out to the people? Nah, just again, appreciate having me on here. Good to catch up, kind of. Yeah. And the professional journey of Mr. Matthew McNamara is far from over. I look forward to uh, following your career. And um, maybe one day soon, we will see you either playing or coaching in a stadium near us. So once again, thank you to Matt and thank you to all my listeners. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'm not even going to make you ring the bell because I'm nice like that. And keep on listening to DP to the brain.